Hello friends and welcome. This is episode 8 of Journey Into Fandom, a podcast where I have guests on to discuss what fandoms and communities they're a part of, what their experience has been, what the memes are and how toxic or wholesome it is. I'm your host, Karislan, and today on the show we had my friend Josh, also known as Clonk, on to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Clonk talked about how he discovered D&D, how it personally benefits him being able to roleplay as an introvert, and how these shared experiences with others can be really enriching in his life. Now, without any further ado, please join me on this journey into fandom. And welcome to another episode of Journey Into Fandom. Today, I am joined by my friend Josh from Australia, also known as Clonk. Hello, how are you? I am doing most excellently. Incredible. I am so pleased. Um, so, you've come on the show today to chat a little bit about... Let's try that again. So, you've come on our show to talk about Dungeons and Dragons today, which I am hyped for because I've dabbled a little bit. I wouldn't say I'm a aficionado or anything like that, but um, I I enjoy D and D a fair bit. I will say. Um, so I am looking forward to this. Yeah. So. Would you like, yeah, it is good fun. Um, (laughs) Before we started recording just now about two minutes ago, uh, we were talking about, oh, how do I refer to you? Because everyone online calls you Kong and I'm like, but that's not your name. So (laughs) would you like to give us the backstory of how that came about? Of course. So my, my full username most places on the interwebs is Gerno the Conqueror. Um, mm-hmm. It comes because my siblings and I, back in the day, used to play a, I believe it's an originally German game, called Conk Rage. And in that game, uh, I think you're meant to, like there are various settings where you can be either medieval or Western and stuff, but you're meant to be in teams and build bases and castles and stuff and then fight each other. And it's like a side scrolly mm. thing. Uh, we never did that. We right. would set everything up, build our castles, and then make immense amounts of foods and invite each other for uh, feasts and such. And basically there were, in, in our main scenario that we played, uh, we'd edited it because the the main little character you can play uh, can carry one thing at a time, which is, of course, immensely inconvenient. And so we edited them to carry a hundred things. Uh, and Excellent. the first first little carrier clunk, as we called them, that I had was called Gerno or Gernot, I think it's in German. Uh, and then the first knight I ever made was I, I changed his name to Conqueror as a play on the game's name and just being a conqueror. Um, 
I like it. Good and so the name is stuck. Love it. So, coming back <laughs> to Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. Okay, to the actual do- game we want to talk about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although so, somewhat related with medieval stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, like, did that game? What, what did you say it was called again? Uh, Clonk Rage. Clonk Rage. Like, was that like pre your D and D experience, or did it come along at the same time, or did it sort of like somehow inspire you? To play D&D in some way? No, so that was pretty much like a, one of our sibling games. Okay. And my D&D experience basically came, so I think in my later teens, so like mm. 18 or 17 or 18 or 19, somewhere around there, Yeah. Um, I, I knew of the existence of Dungeons and & Dragons. And yes. I, I can't remember exactly where I found out about it. The the first thing I remember of online knowing about it is um, some of the Penny Arcade guys did a did some Dungeon Dragons games uh, of Fourth Edition. Okay. In, on on like at one of their paxes. Um, I think they had also done a podcast before that, but my first experience was watching a couple of episodes on on YouTube, just randomly browsing and uh, saw a couple of those those episodes and so my in- initial experience was with that kind of version of the game right and so i, I researched like a bunch of it but then i've never played for the edition <laughs> nice <laughs> so fair enough because by the time i actually got around to being able to play fifth edition had come out yes and that's like the default edition now right pretty much yeah so yeah. fifth edition is the latest version and it's like way easier for like introductions into it and it's pretty simple. Yes. Um, and and it's like way easier to get in. But I guess like we're talking about this and half of them probably don't know what I'm talking about. Yes. Okay, so coming back to that, right? What I like to do, I like to give my guests 2 minutes to give the listeners some context as to what the topic is and like give us the condensed wiki article version. So, would you like to do that? For Dungeons and Dragons, like, can you sum up D anD D in two minutes? Would you like to give it a bash? We'll see how it I, goes. I can certainly try. Okay. So, right. Are but you simply, I'll just start the clock now. Okay. All right. Carry on, please. Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop role playing game. Aha! You say I don't know what that is either. <laughs> Essentially, when you're young and kids. You get together with your friends, and you make up stories. And inevitably, Bob is going to say, and then I kill them all. Tabletop role-playing games are a rule system set in place so that Bob just can't say he kills them all. Mm-hmm. Primarily policed by uh, having your character pre-designed and rolling dice to see how uh, successful you are at particular actions and how much you can do before it's someone else's turn. Mm-hmm. And that's Put simply, the basics. D and D is primarily the, uh, like the Narnia or uh, Lord of the Rings kind of setting version of that. Yep. You've still got a minute and three seconds if you want to continue. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> it's up see. to you. Whew. I mean, I could <laughs> blab, but I think that's the that's the general gist. You can be done. That is okay. That done. is fine. Yeah. That was really well put. Very succinct. Very precise. I liked it. 
a lot. Um, I think that most people will have heard of D and D, have some kind of knowledge of it, especially yeah. because um, recently it's, it's had a massive resurgence. It has had a resurgence. Things like you know shows like Stranger Things and you know this kind of whole eighties nostalgia. So that's really when it originated. Although I'm pretty sure there are many like older versions of the same thing. Um, but I I would say I don't know if it came out in the eighties or if it was just popularized in the eighties. But like. There's a whole 80s nostalgia thing coming through shows like Stranger Things and so on that are kind of... Yeah. Um, yeah. And that are featuring D&D as a main plot point, if you will, or a sort of background setting to what's actually going on. Um, so mm. I think, yeah, I don't know. It's just much more in the in the public eye, if you will, or in the, in, in the people's consciousness currently. Yeah. I mean, so, when you go on Twitch and you have a... One a single show that can get upwards of fifty thousand people watching at any one time, you know that there's definitely some extra popularity going on. Yes, indeed. So you spoke a little bit about how you get got involved in D and D, but how did you start to get like really invested in it? Like, or when did you start playing D and D? How long have you been doing that for? So I believe it was around. What would it be? So it was would have been slightly after that. So it would have been. What, what am I currently? I'm currently twenty six. So rewind the years. Would have been twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, or something like that. Okay. I had moved down to uh, the big city, which I hated. Hate the city, <laughs> uh, and was doing study down there and basically of an evening um, I was looking more into it to see if there was some way of playing it um, and I came across a site called Roll20 and it's like a basically a, a an online version of a tabletop where you can built in roll dice and everything's set up for you basically. Yes. Build characters. And so I... Uh, applied for a couple of campaigns, got into one, and started my journey there. Yeah, the uh, first couple of campaigns I joined, uh, I think, basically ended like super quickly. Just uh, whether it be the DM got into um, other things and had to give up, or what have you. I think one of them, one of them was much longer running, and then I believe it was in the would have been that Christmas. We basically took a break over New Year's, mm-hmm. and I never heard back. Oh <laughs> Just, no! It's, the, the whole whole game seemed to stop. So myself and one of the other players were equally confused. Um, and basically we we finished up there, and at that point I was kind of getting slightly tired of um how flaky everything was. And so I started making right. my own campaign, mm-hmm. my own world and everything, uh, and setting it up that way. Which Excellent. So basically, the way the game is played, for those who don't know, is that you're generally trying to make up a story, um, and some of you will play the main characters in the story, and then the DM is the guy who basically sets up the rest of the world and guides the story and who you're actually fighting against and etc. Um essentially like the author, if you will, 
but then the main characters in the campaign actually decide what they're doing. Yeah, they're um, very much involved. It's very much a collaborative effort. So, yes, I, I started being the author instead because then I'd actually know. I knew it was going to happen then if I set it up. Yeah, and I think it's interesting having dabbled a little bit. So I used to play Pathfinder, which I think you know about, which is funny yes, yeah. because it's not a very good introduction to D&D. It's much more complicated. It's it's very similar. Like, most of the rules are pretty much the same, but it's just, like, the layout of the mm. of the rules and things is much more complex. Yes, yes. Path, Pathfinder is if you are already into the game and really want to get into the nitty-gritty of making your character do exactly what you want him to do. Yeah, so I don't know, but I played that for a little bit with some pals at university for maybe, like, three years, Um, had a few characters and so on, and then I kind of stopped playing after that squad just sort of dissipated. Um, But what we used to do, because I think one of the things that's really fascinating about D&D and about how other people play D&D is that everybody plays it differently. So in our campaign, we would have like one universe, but different people in the group would take turns DMing. So um, we would have one person do one campaign within the universe and then another person take another campaign after that one was wrapped up. And, you know, we had one of our DMs was much more harsh than the others. And it's like, yes. if you rolled a crit one, so that means if you roll a one, yes. that means you did you, you failed miserably at whatever you were trying to it's do. It's basically the worst you can... The- Whatever you're doing, you're doing the worst job you could have done at it. Right. Um, he would just take that and be like, oh, the worst outcome possible has happened. So mm-hmm. he would kill people off by by doing that. So that's how I died, is because I rolled a crit one, fell yes. off a um <laughs> fell off a floating ship, busted my neck, snapped, dead. Um it was really heartbreaking. I was disappointed to lose my character. But um, but yeah, he was really harsh <laughs> um, at that. So we tried to roll saving throws. Nothing, nothing happened. So rip, yeah. Harley Ginger. Yes, there there are those who t- take a one as you you didn't do it very well, and then there are those who think a one is the the universe conspires to have the worst outcome possible yeah. for you. So yeah, I I think that's really fascinating how people DM differently and how people play differently as well. Like there's many uh, hundreds of different kinds of play styles you can do with it. And that's really interesting to me. So tell me a little bit about how you play D&D. About yeah. Your approach. So I, I think it is a bit that way in that D&D and tabletop role-playing games in general, uh, I would put them on almost more of a form of media than I do a specific game. because. You can play in so many varying kinds of campaigns. There are those. There are games where it is more of a comedy than it is um, like a, a high fantasy and adventure. And then there are those right. where it is like nitty gritty. Um, like as I said um, at the start, like it, the difference between whimsical Narnia and the dark harsh of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. 
and I tend to go for more of the more of the whimsy. I am I'm heavily into the more imaginative whimsy side of things. Yeah. Uh, than I am the nitty gritty. I can yeah. throw in some emotional moments and such, but the the more cheerful is definitely more my style. I I tend towards D and D as an escape rather than a method to delve into the truly deep nuances of life. Yeah, and I think that's interesting because D and D isn't about policing people and saying, "Oh, you can't do that." It's it's about collaboration. But I think if you go more hardcore, um, you know, it's harder to maintain everybody is comfortable with everything that's happening, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think I would agree that I enjoy whimsical things more. I mean, I did try to make a more edgy character one time with a, like a really tragic backstory and so on, but she 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 kind of was like the antagonist and then it was sort of like she comes back as an actual character. But then that was sort of I never got to fulfill that in any way. I never got to there was no resolution to that because then we all graduated and moved away. Um, I never played D&D again, so <laughs> unfortunately, I still have that character on the back burner, never did anything with it, but whatever, what can you do? Yeah, and I, th- I think I think that's relatively common. I think there's a reason why people, why Disney, for instance, is so popular, whereas horror is more of a niche appeal. Um, yeah. There, there's something about the, the horrors of real life being enough to deal with. And then having an escape from that is something very attractive for some people. And while there definitely is the the groups that will be more into the the darker side, I think most people would at least throw in some element more of the whimsy than than the mm-hmm. dark. But you know, there but, are people for yeah. everything, and and that's right. You know, it only takes a one read of a subreddit to find the varying different opinions and the different ways people play and. Well, that's fair enough, really. That's true. And I think it's really good when DMs are able to incorporate different people's styles and make it work. I think that's really actually very skillful. And I don't know if I could do that because, I mean, I am, I want to say like a big picture kind of thinker, but I'm not good at detail. So um, <laughs> I tried to, uh, I, I wrote like half a campaign and never got around to actually running it. Um, so maybe I will one of these days, who knows, but, uh, yeah, that's actually brings up another point in that one of the other ways that different DMs vary massively is in how much is pre-planned and how much is improvised. Oh yes, absolutely. So I am so heavily improved. Um, I, I have the benefit of the fact that my job is extremely boring. Uh, basically, I mow lawns for a living, which gives me a lot of time on the endless treadmill to just be thinking about stuff. So I, I do think of certain things while I'm working, but I I never write anything down. I don't pre-plan maps or anything. It's usually off the top of my head when we're happening, which makes yeah. it a lot easier to, to deal with a lot of things because like it's not like I can turn up to a session and say, oh, I forgot to plan this and now it's not going to be as good. Um, but like means that I can be at least somewhat consistent in that way. But 
there's also that attraction of of like pre-planned maps and things and that I can you can see all over the place. I mean, uh, one of the most popular streams is uh, Critical Role, which is voice actors, like professional voice yeah. actors who then have have their own home game and now have it streamed. And the the appreciation they have for like things like Dwarven Forge, like sculpted terrain and stuff, is is something truly, I think, admirable and amazing. Like there are there are different styles and and people, as I say, it's a genre. There's so many different things that you can make out of a movie, say, and yet, right, it's still a movie. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we could get into other role playing games, but we're not going to do that because I think we'll be here all day. Um, we would be, but you here can at infinitum. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, you have things like Starfinder, which is, you know, Pathfinder, but in space. Or one of my friends, uh, Richard Kirk, runs a podcast where he they play the D20 Future Show. Or they, they play D20 F- Future, and that's, you know, like a superhero kind of game. Mm-hmm. There's uh, There's many intellectual properties that have their own version of role-playing games. I've played... Uh, he actually ran couple of sessions of the expanse rpg which was really fun actually so you know if you're into that if you're into more action if you're into romance like literally anything there's a campaign out there for you yeah there's literally a game called made rpg and <laughs> oh. i will say that made rpg has one of the best character creation systems in the world it is so fun and anyone i've heard playing it or played it with has always commented that this is maybe exactly how they actually make animes <laughs> because <laughs> you can get anything from like a a vampire with who can just summon bazookas out of nowhere to oh man that's why have i never heard of this why have we never run this in our in our server that's amazing. Honestly, we should. To... we should. I should run I'll a game to... of anime RPG for you guys. That hilarious. would be hilarious. Um, <laughs> going off track. Uh, well, great. What about your, your current campaign? Tell me, tell me a little bit about what's happening. Do you want to give us a summary of, of the story so far? And then we sure. can delve into so, the fandom stuff. So I'm currently playing in a Pathfinder one, which is based in like a, almost a Japan setting, um, which was is extremely fun but the one that i'm uh, mainly dming currently which has been going for uh this current iteration of it uh we've had like a couple of people who have gotten into work and then uh, who but this current iteration with this current group of players and characters and stuff um we just finished up actually a three year long campaign so oh, that's wow. most pretty much most weeks that it's occurred for three years and um, yeah, just finished up like the big end of the story, which was quite interesting. So, so basically, we had a weird robot, weird robot bard, who was like the drummer boy for a big robot army before the campaign. Wonderful. We had Love a it. basically um, a, a weird lady from a weird shadow realm who nice. found out through the course of the campaign that she was essentially this world's version of Gretel. Uh, from Hansel okay. and Gretel, only the witch in the gingerbread house had made her 
um, out of sugar, spice, and everything nice to tell everybody that they'd stuffed her in an oven so that she wouldn't oh, be no. bothered. <laughs> uh, and then we also had uh, a guy who was basically Doom Guy and who would basically fall asleep for a whole bunch of time, then wake up to do some important thing and then go back to bed again over thousands of years. Wonderful. Uh, and then we had the, the random human who was just there and was a knight. A random human. Yep. He was just a knight. Uh, eventually they found out that he was uh, like a changeling or something, but I think don't he didn't even know that at the start. Uh, and we had all these random hodgepodge of characters and then they just went out in the wilderness and made a barony. And that was the entire story. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah. They ended up fighting um, basically this god of military extreme extremism who was trying to raise an army of, like, weird robot demons. Nice. Which sounds way more fantastical than it ends up being half the time. <laughs> For to, you think of an anime with weird robot demons and it's like, woo! And then when it comes into D&D, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, they're robots. Sometimes they have wings. Let's see yeah. Interesting. And <laughs> it's funny when you mentioned, oh, it's not actually that fantastical all the time. That's some of the fun of D&D is, like, doing the most mundane things. Just having your character, like, sit in a tavern and chat to people. Or, like, engage in a game of poker. Or... Things like that. Um, and it's really those, like, for me, I think it's like those little moments outside of the, you know, the battles and so on um, that really bring the world alive, I think. Mm. I don't and know those little mundanities. One of the weird side quests that happened in that game was the robot basically adopting this orphanage and founding this orphanage because as a robot, he didn't know how kids worked and just wanted to be their friend and like work out how they functioned and what they thought about things. And uh, yeah, adorably cute little interactions, just like these side things that in, in our world seem so totally mundane and almost like get neglected because they are so mm -hmm. mundane. And then in these kind of fantasy worlds, we get to see them in a bit of a different lens. And, and I think that's one of the things I find um, I think people are finding it in media now and such that like is that quite often a theme or a uh, like a life lesson or something mm -hmm. is can be found in a wonderful story. But when yes. the whole point of the story is to tell that life lesson, it gets grating. Yes. And I think we're finding that a lot with modern media is that either they're is nothing edifying or nothing beneficial to come out of it. It's just purely for entertainment or the message that they're trying to give you is so shoved down your throat that it is at the expense of the story. And right. I think that D&D &D especially is kind of a, a way people are turning to to get that story, that full story and that uh, exploration of themes that is – Finding hard, it is harder to find in quite a lot of the modern TV shows. Yeah, that's so interesting because, so, this might come out of nowhere, 
but I'm really interested to hear your perspective on this. And I don't know if I've ever asked you this at all, but as a fellow person of faith, a believer in Jesus Christ, right? So Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of people in the Christian community fear D&D, right? Like, I mean, I don't know if it is so much these days, but certainly in the 80s, there was the whole Satan panic around it and Mm -hmm. so on, right? Um, but what you're saying there is that is that you find D&D like a way to like explore these deeper themes like more personally to you than watching stuff on TV or whatever um, and yeah I don't know I'm, I'm just really interested in that because I think so many people uh, in Christian communities like don't see any value in D&D at all yes yeah, sir so I think it all boils down to what I said at the beginning, in that D&D is a form of media. And, and yeah. just like movies, the things that people can then make with that form of media can take on many different forms. Mm-hmm. And I think there is something to be said about the fact that people can use things unhealthily in D&D. For instance, like you, you could make a character that is like rather evil and obnoxious just for the sake of being evil and obnoxious. Mm-hmm. However, I think it's the same as any other form of media where like people can make the most toxic and horrifying films, right, um, and display the the worst of relationships and glorify them on screen and similarly you can do the same with it but you can also at the same time you wouldn't remove all movies from existence because some people utilized the media in the wrong way i think the same is with D in that used in the proper way you can get an amazing amount of benefit out of it there are people nowadays who are using D&D as like a form of therapy, um, whether it be for like children who actually have learning disabilities or what have you. Um, it is also amazing for teaching math because the amount of math in D&D is staggering. Uh, yeah. And then also there lost. are just... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially Pathfinder where there's a plus one for everything. Oh my goodness me. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then there's... Quite often, especially actually in my own experience, is that I am not the most social creature. Uh, I am incredibly introverted and I can get burnt out from social engagement pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But there's something that makes it easier to have a conversation and get into a conversation when you are not yourself. You're pretending to be someone else there. When I do, like, Sometimes over Christmas or New Year's, I will go on, a, go to caravan parks and put on kids' programs. Part of that is like putting on skits and uh, that kind of thing. And I find it mm-hmm. way easier to talk to anybody or a kid when I'm putting on a silly voice and it's not me. And yeah. I think one of the interesting ways that D&D works is that you can start off a conversation in D&D as your character. But when the the topic is something that you know about or is 
somewhat parallel to real life. It can be quite interesting to actually weigh up these questions and get into these conversations that are not just your character speaking. Yeah. And when you start to blur those lines between the character and you and start asking these questions yourself and talking to these other people, and some of the best friendships that people have can be formed through a D&D game. Yeah. I know there are people in the community that have literally started a D&D campaign several years ago and are now like solid friends both in and out of game from that, uh, especially one of the blokes from uh, the community actually who they all went to his wedding. They all piled together and moved through this whole shenanigans over the last couple of years and have come out through the other side strong for it. That's awesome. That's so cool. And um, and I see I see on the internet lots of memes about how you can put Dungeons and Dragons on your resume. We're talking about mm-hmm. how it's uh like you meet with peers for creativity and conflict resolution and skill development and that kind of thing. And honestly, it's kind of true. Yeah. When you go through, even if these things are not necessarily real, air quotes real, they are still problems that you then work out how to work with others to get through. And it's those shared experiences, especially since most D&D campaigns will never be truly experienced or seen by anyone other than those at the table. Yeah. So those five people, that's your group core group usually is four and a DM. That's five people who are sharing something together and forming their little community and their own shared experience. That's really precious actually. I think that's what we find when I used to play Pathfinder is like it's just us in the room, but we're taken to this whole other world and getting to do all these cool things and then, you know, be communicating with each other the whole time because I mean, if you go to the cinema, or whatever, with your friends, I mean, there's something that you're doing together, but you're not interacting in any way. You're, I mean, I love going to the cinema, but that's beside the point. But like, you're just watching it, right? And then afterwards, you can be like, "Oh, that was good." Blah blah blah. What did you think? Um, but D and D is like so rich in that experience of just like being with other people, um, and it's really interesting, actually, what you said about being able to sort of put on another persona and you find it easier to interact with others. Because I think that's part of what Andy Pelasides was saying in episode two about that's really, that's one of the reasons why he loves cosplaying is because he finds it easier to, you know, put on a costume, go to a convention and meet people than if he was just walking around himself, you know, being himself. So I think that's a really cool thing that D&D allows you to do. And it gives you something to talk about because one of the yes. worst things for an introvert or someone less socially adept is small talk. Mm-hmm. I, I can talk all day about theology or something where I actually know about, but if you ask me about the weather, I <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so how's the wet? No, kidding. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. That's so interesting. And I think... It's amazing that you're able to take so much positivity from D&D, um, you know, and it be 
and not just a thing that you do for fun, although that is the point ultimately, but you can take so much from it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to get into fandom discourse. So, where do you interact with the wider D&D community, or do you interact with the wider D&D community at all? So, I used to be very active within mm-hmm. the, specifically the 5th edition, but also just the general uh, Dungeons & Dragons subreddit. I used to be big into that and um, be on there pretty much every day answering rules questions and analyzing things and all those various different questions and kind of that aspect of it. Um, but I have mm-hmm. I have fallen off that massively as of recent times. I think I had a had a spate there where I didn't actually check it at all for a good six months, and then I'm slowly getting back into it now, just like reading things mostly, um, rather than actually engaging. Partially because I, I didn't don't really have the time still, and then partially because well, there are a couple of reasons. Yeah, uh, a lot of the discussion nowadays is is not something that is particularly of interest to me. It went from discussing the game to discussing other things that are were like tangentially related, but not the game itself. Okay, and so I've kind of given up. <laughs> I see. Um, what is it that that people discuss? Do you know what's the discourse that goes on? At the minute, okay. I mean, you said you're not into it currently, but so, I mean, the other thing that I interact with it is by listening a whole bunch of campaigns. Okay. Because as I said, I I walk around. I'm on the endless treadmill, and that gives me many many hours to listen to campaigns that are happening. So that's that's the other thing I interact with, and I do love that. Um the the biggest big discussion topics that are happening currently, like m- <laughs> most of them are to do with like. Well, there are basically three main topics that I I can think of off the top of my head of. The first is just discussion about their own campaigns and whether their DM is terrible. That's like one of the most common topics, Um, which is usually something to do with uh, people not knowing what kind of tone it was and then wanting to back out or whether it was just the, the, it was not advertised as the type of campaign it was. That kind of thing. That's it's fine. It's just I think people could realize that and work it out themselves rather than right. <laughs> popping it on the subreddit every time. Um, the second one is still rules, which is fine. You can interact with that, okay. Um, I, I think I've just got, gotten burnt out of actually answering all the questions, and also I haven't kept up to date with um the latest books. And stuff. I, I I vaguely allow them if my players want to play them. I read through them and have a look, but I don't keep myself up to date on them. And then the third thing that's happening currently is essentially uh, people. Okay, I'm gonna have to get into this a bit deeper. Uh, okay. One of the easiest things about fifth edition and this basic. Uh, idea of D and D, especially the latest version, which I mainly play, is that it was really easy to be accessed. Like a a person could come in 
who, not knowing much about it, have a good read through the rules and then run it. Right? Yeah. And one of the biggest reasons why that was uh, easy to do is because D&D itself has a pretty in-depth kind of setting, right? Uh, which includes, like, what what different um, creatures are like, where they live, what different cities are like. The other thing that it has is that it has rules for um, different races, and not in the real-world type of races, but, like, actual different, uh, like, creatures. Like, you can play as a regular human, sure, but you can also play as an elf or a weird, like, a raven person um, or something like... Um, Basically, all these various different creatures that are different in their own right. Right. But I think the the, the issue that has been raised is that um, these they call them races, and part of what has happened is people have taken the kind of the same discussion on race in the real real world, and whether rightfully or wrongly, they stated that. Um, like races in D and D, have drawn inspiration from real world stuff. Right. I don't exactly know exactly how that works, but it used to be that these races had specific cultures. Um, some of them would not even be um, like you'd have the the monsters and stuff um, that weren't necessarily mm-hmm. like. But basically, yeah. Anyway, there's this dichotomy. Um, but the the issue is that. They each race would have this certain kind of a culture, right? So you yes. would have the the dwarves with the the dwarves like the Lord of the Rings dwarves who love mining and drinking and all that kind of thing and love money. Um, you have the elves who are graceful and everything. But the issue is people have taken this idea of like the the terribleness in real life of saying that certain races are this way and um, basically profiling them based mm-hmm. on that. And then they have stated that this is the same thing that's happening in D&D. Like these like fantasy stuff of elves and dwarves are the same thing. Which is sort of strange because I can't understand where they draw the line between stereotyping and an actual culture right right so basically what they've what what started to happen is that they is that the D races that had cultures if some if someone says that they want to play like an elf that didn't grow up in the elven society and stuff normally mm-hmm. you would just discuss that with your particular dm your particular author and see if they're setting was different or working with them in a way to have that be reflected in your stats right right and so like for instance if you were an elf right but you wanted to have grown up somewhere else you could have talked to your dm and you could say oh well i was wondering if i could have them not be all fancy and have this wonderful work with fancy swords but instead have proficiency with a hammer right uh-huh but the thing is that in, instead of going about it that way 
they kind of want to make the rules themselves completely agnostic to the setting. Okay. So basically, um, elves in in the book, like if, if a new book, you could come to D anD D and just read an elf in the book, because of the setting of uh, that D anD D uses, they use mainly like a, a Tolkien esque elf to base their elf on. But then, that that is like one way an elf can die. But of course, in order to make it so that these, it's kind of agnostic as to what an elf is like. That becomes then that if you want to reflect that in your, like your rules book, you you can't be specific about what they are. You can't have the stats just reflect the culture that your setting is. Right. Yeah, so basically they've the, in order to actually accommodate an elf being whatever you want it to be, you have to change the entire setting of your of the book. So technically I could understand a book that is completely agnostic, right? You just pick a certain mm-hmm. amount of abilities from whatever things there are. However, it does make it difficult for a new person coming to the game. Right. Because now they have to invent for themselves the entire setting. Like you have to yeah. build your own world from scratch. Mm. And like, and not only that, but I think, I think part of deciding what character you're going to be is, you know, reading about them and about their culture. And then you can be like, oh, that's a really interesting idea. Like, I hadn't thought of that, but I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, and and um, I think that's weird to just take that out completely. Yeah, and I think there are, there are specific stories that can be told based on a setting. For instance, within D&D, there, it, it may be not like you're, for instance, a an orc, right? In in the setting that we have in standard 5e, they were extremely strong and had, like, very hardy, um, but they didn't get bonuses to anything else. And so they were, they were better at being a barbarian, let's say, because they mm-hmm. were big and could wield an axe good. But you could have this story of a orc being, like, studying and overcoming that detriment, essentially. Yeah. by force of will and a struggle. Whereas if you make it kind of setting agnostic, then you have this idea of him overcoming his the detriment, like overcoming the struggle. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you just walked in there and you've got a plus two to intelligence because you decided that's what you wanted anyway. Right. So there isn't yeah. real like you you can say, ah, oh, by story I've overcome all this detriment, but you you haven't actually overcome any actual detriment. Yeah. It kind of takes away the weight of that decision that you just made it, you know. Yeah. Um interesting. So that's what's going on right now. Yeah, so there's this big discussion. That. And I can see there's upsides to it. For instance, one of the things that's come out of it is that people are um, more willing to do that discussion with the DM, like more DMs are know that that's actually a thing, 
and talking about it of like okay yeah you don't need to stick to the exact because because it was always that i mean these are the stats we give them but you can talk to your dm and maybe your stats will be different mm-hmm. and but like a lot of people probably worked under the assumption that you just use what was in the book so the yeah. discussion is great because it's kind of brought in this uh, a bit of flexibility i think into some dm's minds mm-hmm. but at the same time I don't know that the benefits have outweighed the the loss of yeah like the loss of character um especially in the um the setting that 5e is based on you're almost taking away the cultures of these different races in order yeah. to make it so that you can be anything and also if anything it almost makes almost makes things more stereotypy because instead of a book saying okay here this is this is what a general elf is now it is someone else coming along and seeing an elf and saying ah oh, yeah this is what an elf is mhm whereas like um yeah if you if you have that kind of dm prerogative you can have have a setting in which elves are way different Requires a bit of homebrewing, but you just needed one look at the subreddit and know what homebrewing is. Like, so homebrewing is just making up your own stuff, basically, or editing it. Um, and so, yeah, as you get more experienced, you can homebrew things and make elves different or dwarves different or all these varying different things. But I think you're losing the availability to new people by like watering down your setting making it harder Mm, interesting yeah i guess that's a big consideration really Mm. um because you're kind of forcing everyone to homebrew then some people just don't want that um pressure of oh yeah i gotta come up with all this like i'd rather just take it from the book you know there's nothing wrong with that you already have a lot of people complaining about the fact that 5e doesn't give you enough answers to things and now you're trying to make it have less answers right right because 5e one of one of 5e's big like like design considerations is that they want to leave things up to the dm so the dm can like have input and i think it's like meant to be that they have flexibility to be to have people come in and ask questions and you have that a specific way in your game but of course if you don't have an answer in the book it becomes inc- incredibly difficult to then police something that is now obviously just a choice you've made mm. excellent so you mentioned earlier quite a bit ago about some of the um campaigns that you follow uh who are some of those that you like okay so probably the the big one that is most popular that i listen to is critical role that's the yeah the, probably one of the most well known ones that people will commonly commonly come across um, yeah i've heard of that i've never listened to it but i know what it is a couple of the others are acquisitions incorporated that's um kind of a big main one that happens at paxes like uh, some of the organized 
cons that go around. Um, mm-hmm. So I listened to that. Uh, they have like a, a secondary campaign called The Sea Team, which I also listened to. Uh, nice. There's one called one called The Unexpectables, uh, which is you you YouTuber folks that have uh, worked on things like a bridge series and stuff, getting together to do it. Um, nice. I listened a lot to the Roleplay Crew, which are streamers. Um, I'm now listening to a couple of campaigns by um, a friend I met through one of the communities that we're part of. And then uh, another couple, I think, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. One that's more risque, but still very funny, if you can live with that. Uh, is one called uh, Dungeons and Daddies, which is about <laughs> so it's about um, some fathers who are like thrown into the fifth edition setting um, in order to rescue their sons that have got trapped in there. Nice. So it's a little bit more natural. It's a lot more of the risque kind of thing, but um, still exceedingly good fun. That sounds funny. Cool. Yeah. So there are a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's so many. There's so, so many, many people that stream um stream and record their uh their sessions. Mm. Um yeah, and and why not, I guess. May as well share your joy- journey with the world if that's what you want to do. Um, um that being said, I mean, to... I I record my own sessions, but mainly mm-hmm. for listening to myself for notes. That I have them in my head, because yeah. otherwise I would quite easily forget. Yeah. Would you ever consider posting them at all, or? Uh, there are actually oh. a couple out there on the interwebs. Ooh. Um, I can put that in the in the show notes oh, if you so desire. Wouldn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, cannot they do ex- that as they well. exist. Um, they exist. But they're not cool. like something that I've put up myself. Um, I think right. there are a couple. Um, actually, there's my sister has put up a couple on her channel, so I could probably let you link them. Because um, I did a couple of short sessions with um, so her and some of her friends that we played for a bit. But um, COVID being what it is, schedules were haywire, so we never actually got to continue one of those for a long amount of time. Mm-hmm. I think it's possible that I would uh, either stream or turn one into a podcast at some stage. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of finding the time to actually edit them and get them all sorted. Because yeah, I, I briefly considered it earlier this year, actually, but since basically since my job is outside and being on an endless treadmill. I think we've had a total of three days throughout the entire pandemic where I've not been able to work. Right. So, yeah, I do not have excessive amounts of time where I can actually do anything. Um, and yeah, plus I spend way too much time with my sister just hanging out and doing things. So. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's fair. Understandable. Um, K-dramas take so much time to watch, you know. They do. They're so long, and like every episode is long as well. Um, so, but yeah, maybe that should be another episode we could do. <laughs> Have your sister on chat about K dramas. Yeah, 
That, nope. that would be funny. Well, great. Is there anything else you want to say about the D&D fandom as a whole? Anything you'd like to mention? I don't think so. But like, I will say that if D&D, um, you try it and it's not for you, but because of like the setting, there are so many other tabletop role-playing games out there. Um, there's almost... Yes. There's almost guaranteed to be something out there for you. Um, as long as it is not the fact, purely the fact that you hate rolling dice or are just super uncomfortable uh, making up a story, that, then that's probably, that's like fine. That's It's not for you. Um, not your type of media. But if it's just the, the setting or the complications of the system, Go for it. There's literally yeah. a system out there called Roll for Shoes, where you can you're just rolling a a single dice or two dice, and just seeing whether you're successful or not. It, the The game is Excellent. so cold because literally, you can, the first thing you can do in the game is roll to see if you have shoes on if you want to. Great. It's entirely up to you what you're rolling for. Love it. That's great. <laughs> and then you can have the Amazing. skill I have shoes at a two. Yes. Um and I know that we've mentioned it, but I would quite like to give one piece D D a bash one of these days. Yes. We'll, we'll see. That would be a lot of fun. I don't know if we'll ever get round to it, but I hear there's also a to. an Avatar the Last Airbender one coming out, so I definitely want to give Oh yes. And there's interstitial that I have ran myself actually once last last year during lockdown with my family. Yeah, I the did that. Kingdom Hearts one. Good. It yeah. is yes, it based on Kingdom Hearts. It was really good fun. Um, the idea of that is uh, I'll I'll put a link down there uh, to interstitial. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, you don't need to know anything about Kingdom Hearts because what it is. You can be an original character or you can be a character from literally anything, any TV show, movie, book, anything at all. And you just throw all these random characters together from all these different universes and just throw them out there and see how they do. Mm -hmm. And they travel to different worlds. And it's all about the relationships between the characters, which I think is really fun um, yeah. as a character-driven person. Um, yeah, there's a podcast of it also. So I recommend it. I think it's so fun yeah there are so many different systems with so many different there's focuses. so many yeah um but D, D is also good it's also mm. fun in its own right because yeah you can do so much with it it's what mm. i really like about it um and it's one that a lot of people are familiar with um the the general fantasy sword and sorcery going in and Slashing down some weird dragons or monsters, weird skeletons. Basically, if you if you watched a good fantasy movie or The Lord of the Rings, you know this is you know the setting, and and that's the that's kind of the yeah. one of the big attractions of it is how easy it is to just go. Oh yeah, I know this. Getting into it. Yeah, it's familiar. Yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, would you like to to give us a review? An Amazon review of the fandom as a whole, what you think it is. I know it's quite a hard question because it's huge. 
Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, there's always the the meme answer of like one out of ten would recommend. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think I think one of the I think one of the best ways to explain most things is the old Steam review, where it's like so many hours, so many hours into it spent into a game yep. and said, oh, yeah, it's all right. It has its good, no it has its bad. But if you find the right people, you've got a, a, a wonderful place to be. It's it's one of the, right. I, I think it's like we mentioned in one of your other podcasts, it's about the people you, it's about your personal corner that you curate. Because mm. when, the, when it comes down to it, in order to have a good D&D experience, all you need is four other wholesome people that you like. Yep. And uh, like the it. same thing. And you, you're done. You're good. Yeah. You've got, That's well, it. in my experience, upwards of three years of fun times and excellent story. Yes. Amazing. Well, Josh, mm-hmm. also known as Clonk, thank you so much for coming on thank you for my show. Me. It was a tremendous chat and i think we covered a lot um yeah really really enjoyed it actually so thank you so much and do you have anything you would like to plug any social media or anything i don't know people can follow you <laughs> not really i i am no, extremely reclusive on the internet i i, I am in right. my little pockets and i curate my little corners and then that's anything fine. else I leave to the whims of the universe. That's great. I like to give people the opportunity if they're like, oh, yeah, I do this, but um, that's cool. So maybe we'll have you on again another time. It'll be fun. Uh, but yeah. if, you, if, if people want to contact me, I, I am on Twitter at Clonkra. But other than that, I, I am not really in that big of a public figure. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I, let's be real. <laughs> I'm just here. I'm just I'm, doing my I'm thing. just a man doing what I like, trying to live Absolutely. my life. Absolutely. I think well, that's, that's what great. most people are. That's a good way to be, honestly. Not trying to do anything big or what have you. Just, you know, keeping it real. I like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, nice. well, thank you. So that was Josh. I really loved hearing about how D&D has positively impacted his life, and in particular how D&D can inform his personal faith. My name is Karis. You can follow Journey Into Fandom on Twitter at J underscore Into Fandom. I am at Karison Ford on Twitter. That's C-A-R-Y-S-S-O-N-F-O-R-D. Please also join the official Discord for all my podcasts, Kingdom Minds, Retrospective, and Journey Into Fandom. You can support the show by visiting patreon.com forward slash journey into fandom. Thank you for listening. Bye.